Welcome to MBA Without BS, a podcast where we bring people stories, MBA stories with non-traditional, unusual backgrounds. Today, we have Maria, and I'm going to mispronounce her last name, Nesovic. Correct. Fine. Good enough. Maria, how are you? (laughs) I'm good. Thank you, Mikey. Great. Welcome to the podcast. So in a nutshell, and Maria is going to present herself in a second, Maria is a classical pianist by trade, grew up in Serbia under the Milosevic regime, at a certain point moved to Belgrade for the Music Academy and then got accepted to Berlin's Academy of Art, where they accept six out of 120 people in every class. After that, she decided she doesn't want to be a professional pianist anymore. So she moved back to Serbia, went into the family business, but then ventured off and started her own business, importing raw materials for the furniture industry. Drum roll, please. (laughs) And then with the encouragement of a co-worker, if I may call him that, went on to do her MBA in INSEAD, and after which she will tell you. McKinsey, and then. So, Maria, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Uh, It's good to have you here. So, we're going to start like we start with our MBAs. Tell me your story in two minutes or under. All right. I actually, I heard you ask that other um, interviewees and I thought that's really hard, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll try my best. So I uh, so was uh, born and raised in south of Serbia, ex-Yugoslavia, uh, as you mentioned in Milosevic's regime. Um, I started playing piano at an age of nine and I very quickly fell in love with it and I knew that was going to be my life. I didn't want to do anything else in my life than just play piano. And so at the age of 14 um, was a time to start a high school and there was no brainer for me. I just wanted to go to music high school. And the best music high school was in Belgrade in Serbia. So I moved on my own, as you mentioned, um, to Belgrade. Um, and that was interesting those are the times when Serbia was under economic embargo and it was really difficult to get basic staples and um, inflation was huge so it was uh, it was very peculiar living living on your own at the age of 14 in those times and then when I finished the high school I went on the um, University of Arts uh, majoring piano at uh, Belgrade's Academy of Music and then um, uh, soon after, there was NATO bombing of Serbia, so my family and I had to flee the country um, as refugees, and that was the time when I decided I really want to escape that that prison of uh, you know being a prisoner in Serbia, and uh, wanted to take my life in my hands and. Um, and so I started preparing for that entrance exam in, in Germany. Uh, the time Germany had free studies for international students, you just had to pass the entrance exam. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> so I did, as you said, it was a lot of, uh, it was a very competitive environment, but I was very 
um, lucky to have entered that school, which is uh, which was great. Uh, but towards the end of the studies, I realized that um, uh, uh, being a pianist as a career is very different from you know what my thinking was when I started playing at the piano at the age of nine. Um, and so the realities of that I didn't like at all. So I already started to think, what you know, how can I change my career? And uh, went on back, and and that was actually the time when I heard of INSEAD. Somebody mentioned, and I googled it, and I said MBA. Well, I know mm. what NBA is, but I don't know what MBA is. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, when I realized, okay, you need to have a, an average of five years' experience and a GMAT and all that stuff, and I thought, oh, that seems impossible from my point of view. But I kind of get on with it, and three years later, I was um, I was at INSEAD. And um, at INSEAD, well, I went into INSEAD thinking it would be so cool to be a management consultant, and I heard of this mm. company called McKinsey, and it's so, so fun and interesting, all this problem-solving <laughs> and uh, analysis and da-da-da-da-da. So, um, so um, uh, in um, September... Uh, 2008, when we were starting to uh, do the interviews, the recruiting started, I thought, well, all my plans are crashing because of the financial crisis, nobody's hiring. But I was, again, very lucky enough to get a job, an offer from McKinsey London office um, at the time. And so I joined them um, in 2009. And I was with McKinsey for two years, which was an amazing experience, but also a very tough one. And, uh, and after a while I realized that I can I can't really physically go on with it and I said I'm just gonna stop and as I mentioned earlier uh, it was the first time in my life that I didn't have this five-year plan <laughs> and then I um I stopped and I uh, accidentally started freelancing as a consultant uh, and I loved it. And um, so it came up actually sometimes it's good not to have a plan. <laughs> and so I'm still freelancing as an independent consultant focusing mostly on pharmaceutical industry. Amazing. So I'm going to jump to the beginning. Yeah. You started as a classical pianist from a fairly young age, not a young age for a classical pianist, yeah, but you started yeah, at, yeah. at yeah. nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and probably practicing, what, two, three, four hours a day? Well, at the beginning, I mean, with the old kind of, you know, the primary school, uh, you know, application therapy, I was probably practicing around three hours a day, but soon you have to kind of, you know, turn up to five to six hours indeed, yeah. And this but is... I, always, I just have to say that for me, I know that a lot of people, when they envisage young kids spending so many hours by the piano, they think, oh, those cruel parents. But I really loved it. And I remember at the beginning, we didn't have piano at home. My parents were like, oh, but, you know, if, if that's, this doesn't go anywhere, we're not going to, you know, pour that much mm. money into buying piano. And so I really had to beg my mom every day, can you please take me to the music school today? I want to practice. And she would be like, can we skip just tonight? Please, not tonight. <laughs> so it was really a reverse of what you would expect. I really, really loved it. And I really didn't mind kind of, you know, spending a lot of time by piano. And what are the what are the traits? What are the character that pia that you know piano helped you 
build or what did you what are what are the personal qualities you got out of this ongoing daily three to four to five hours playing yeah. piano kind of by yourself well i think you know obvious thing that you know uh, one obvious thing that you know uh, probably a lot of people would think of when they think of artists is is self-discipline right i mean you really you know nobody's gonna tell you uh, you know you have to sit and practice this much and so on but you'd really need to be able to kind of sustain that uh, um, that discipline day in and day out um so i think that's that's one which i found really helpful you know throughout my life um and i think also persistence and having this really long-term view because when you when you're you know, working on a piece of music, you know, it takes you months and months of working on one piece to really be able to go on a stage and perform it, right? And so so it's really having this view that, you know, you're not going to sit there learning in three minutes or three days or three weeks. It's going to take you months to really come to the point where it's going to, you know, um, be a meaningful, meaningful performance. So I think those are the two most important things is... Um, you know, long-term view and persistence to get there and self-discipline. Wow. And where do you, where do you feel you used these traits or where, where did you meet these traits again in your life, these discipline and long-term view? Well, I think everywhere, you know, I think, I think it was really helpful for, for anything, you know, preparing, for example, for INSEAD, um, you know, when I started preparing for INSEAD, I couldn't, you know, you know, keep in mind that I, um, at the age of 14, dropped all the kind of, you know, general education and went on to, on to music education. So, you know, when I started preparing for INSEAD, I couldn't multiply seven with eight. It just seemed like really long time ago. I can't remember that. So it was really kind of, you know, the self-discipline to sit and start from scratch and, you know, work up to, you know, doing the entry mat with a, you know, sufficient result to get into the top MBA school. So I think that, and then also kind of, you know, um, uh, of course, getting into McKinsey and, and sustaining all of these things, kind of, you know, going through INSEAD, going through McKinsey, um, you know, again, uh, starting my venture, uh, you know, while I was working in, in my dad's firm. Um, so, so I, and, and in everyday life, I think it's just really important. Except for exercising, that's not where I applied to <laughs> as much as I would like to. Huh. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're a you're a young pianist, and yeah. I remember you saying that life in Belgrade or in Serbia at that time was under Milosevic was like living in a prison, but the bars were a bit further. Yeah. In a prison cell. Yeah, I mean, what I meant by that is that, you know, at that time, um, you know, everything was so politicized, you know, and you can see um, that, uh, you know, your parents who, um, uh, 
I mean, you, you just felt that you don't have your life in your own hands. Whatever you do, the outcome was ever always unknown. You know, my parents are intellectuals and, you know, I could see that, you know, the outcomes of their work never depended of, you know, who they are, how much they know and how much they work. And so that seems like, a, you know, you can't really, you, you don't have ownership of your own life. Again, just kind of, you know, having the fact that whenever you want to leave the country, you have to get a visa to get a visa you have to sit two days in a line in front of the embassy to get to the point where you know you bring all the documents and they'll tell you mm, no you need one more document and it just was so discouraging and and you really felt that you know you just can get cannot get out um, you know one more thing is that when i passed that exam for germany and i had to get my you know student long-term visa uh, there was this catch-22 you can't get a visa unless you have a bank account and you can't have a bank account unless you have a visa right so you get into this like i'm just so um uh, helpless, you know, and I can't get out of here, you know, you can't see the bars, but you just cannot get out. And yeah, you somehow overcome that. And, you know, a few people have overcome that, but it just makes it, uh, you know, more and more difficult than you feel Absolutely. more desperate and maybe more determined to kind of, you know, get out. Yeah. Oddly enough, I, I had a, for a very brief time, the same experience in Singapore <laughs> with yeah. the bank account and the, and the apartment. You cannot right. get an apartment until you have yes. a bank account, and you yeah. cannot have a bank account until you have an address. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that's uh, that was solved and uh, resolved. Yeah. So, at age fourteen, you moved to Belgrade on your own, yeah. living not on boarding school, not on you know, school housing, but really living on your own at age fourteen in the capital city. How yeah. was that like? Well, it was scary at the beginning, I have to say, because I come from a, such a small town from the south, and then, you know, going to Belgrade, which was a big city, this really did seem like a, like going to a jungle and was quite scared. But I have to say that I admire my mom, that had, she had the courage to leave me there, and after three days, she said, well, darling, you know, that's it, I have to go back, I have to, you know, keep working, and, you know, good luck! <laughs> and so wow. that was that was scary in the beginning um but um uh but then soon you just feel like you have no choice you have to kind of you know uh get along with it and i mean i was not making my own living my parents were supporting me um you know uh but um uh, but it was still not easy. You have to kind of, you know, cook your own meals, think about your school, sustain your self-discipline, keep practicing and, uh, you know, make new friends. You're missing your parents. Something happens to you. You don't have what who to talk to. You're quite young. And... Um, I just realized, I remembered recently I had a nightmare and during the nightmare I got up and I broke a window in my sleep and oh. uh, and I woke up and I was like, my hands were covered in blood, which is like, what's going on? And afterwards I was scared to sleep, <laughs> but, but you just go through it and I think it's um, um, it, it just a good lesson for afterwards in life. So, uh, so it was it was scary at the beginning, but it actually it ended up fun. I had a lot of good friends, and uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, would you now consider doing the same with your son if you had to? 
sending him to another city, like joining him at the beginning at age 14 and then telling him, son, it's all you now. I, you know, I, I think I'd probably be more, uh, you know, cautious than my mom. Um, (laughs) I know a few people who didn't go through very well and I think it was really hard on them and I think they kind of, um, you know, didn't have a good experience and they left a, that left a, a, a negative mark afterwards in their life. So I don't think it's necessary. And if I thought that he can go through it and if he, uh, if it's for his own good, then I would support him. But I think it was also very important for me to know that my parents always told me, we're there for you. You go and try it. And if it doesn't work, you know, you can always give up, which was great. It was not a... I was not forced to sustain it, but I tried really hard. So uh, the answer is yes, I would probably be mm-hmm. uh, a bit cautious, yeah. And maybe your parents believed in you a lot, so they thought that you can do it because they saw you growing yeah. up and they said, you know, she can do it. Well, yeah, I think so. I think they probably, I, I think at that time, they really didn't have a lot of choice. They were also kind of, it was difficult for them, you know, in those times in, in, in Serbia. And, uh, and they, they were just trying to do the best they could for their kids. And, um, yeah. It's fantastic. So you finish in the music academy in Belgrade. You yeah. get admitted to Berlin's Academy of Art, which was yeah. rigorous selection process getting in but also quite a rigorous learning experience right five years undergrad masters this is like music 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 yeah all day long yeah but then you decide to you decide that the maybe the music world is not exactly for i mean maybe music is your life maybe music is your passion but maybe you don't want it to be your career Career. Yes, exactly. Why? Why is that? Um, so, so a couple of things. One is, um, I, I think that the reality, which you don't realize when you're young, of being a musician is a lot of uncertainty. So I think, again, I think that the outcomes of, you know, what you do uh, depends of too many factors that are, that are not you, right? That are out of your control. Um, so a lot of luck. A lot of who do you know, a lot of, you know, whether those you know will support you, will be there for you. I mean, I think um, we're all aware of the Me Too movement nowadays. That's very present. I mean, the I, I would say the attitudes and the, you know, relationships are very present in the music world as well you know, in the environment where I was, and I did not want to conform to it. So I, um, you know, I thought I really wanted to do something where, you know, if I uh, have a good knowledge, if I put a lot of effort, that will uh, play out well for me. So I like the, I, I prefer the more certainty. I didn't want to, you know, continue with that, that path that I've seen my older colleagues would, you know, potentially have to go to through. And in a way, at least for me, it connects to what you said before, where you see your parents in Serbia working hard and, you know, giving their their best efforts. And the result, the outcome is not always dependent on them, but on external forces. Indeed. 
yeah so that's very and unfortunately you know that was in Serbia but I think for music world it's present kind of everywhere <laughs> and I mean look also when I finished my studies in Germany interestingly I mean my student visa expired so I had to leave Germany anyway uh-huh. and go back to Serbia um, in Serbia that would mean you know uh, I mean performing arts doesn't really exist I mean you have to pay to kind of you know get a get a, 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 a hall to be able to give a concert nobody really pay for that in Serbia because you know it's such a um you know uh low-income environment that uh you know there is no I mean art is such a luxury good so it's only environment where there's a lot of money can it thrive uh so Serbia was at the time was definitely well not even now is definitely you know a place where where it's it's really feasible and you can make your own living um so so teaching as a music you know professor for 400 euros a month didn't seem like sustainable for me so I thought I'm young enough to try something else and you know yes I've studied all my life and I've put so much effort but this is something that I can always go back to in case this is you know the plan B doesn't work or you know my my new passion so I said okay I'll give it a try and you know I'll give it a few years and if it doesn't work well I can always go back to this you know it's very interesting I'm gonna yeah shout out to myself for the previous uh one of the previous podcast episodes where I interview Scott Birdall who is a classmate of mine and grew up in the Yukon yeah and I, I I mentioned this one scene where we are in the Yukon it's like negative 20 we're sitting by the bonfire and his father comes sits with us with Scott's birthday and put his put his two hands each hand on 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 one shoulder my shoulder and Scott's shoulder yeah he says boys you worked so hard to build a safety net don't use it as a hammock Mm -hmm. and and that connects to me exactly to what uh-huh. you just said. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you were actually, you built that safety net, if you can uh-huh. call it that, your whole life. And then you decide to make the jump. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Very if something well happens, yeah, if something happens, I can yeah, always I rely on, yeah. on yeah. my music safety education. Net. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. So, so you go back to... You go back to Belgrade and you start working for your father's IT business. Yeah. Right? But you're not a, an IT person. Maybe you yes. like it. Maybe <laughs> I simply did not understand. I mean, my dad finally, you know, after many years of struggles and so on, he was, uh, he was, uh, you know, started similar to me, free, freelancing as a software developer, and then mm. got an IBM's, um, uh, become a v- IBM's business partner to sell a very peculiar type of servers for big systems, right? And I, you know, I started that, and I just, I just could not understand what's going on, and <laughs> you know, uh, I couldn't even. You know, at that time, open a PC, let alone big, to think about big servers for, you know, um, corporations and so on. Um, so then, uh, you know, after a while, I realized uh, one of the one of the clients uh, of the IT business uh, was um, a largest furniture um, uh, company in Serbia. 
and and at one meeting I just overheard them complain about their raw materials supplier and mm. and I thought okay maybe we could do that and I you know spoke to my dad and he said well why don't you kind of you know go and play with it get some information and so on and that's what I did and um, uh, and that was super interesting and actually uh, um, uh, you know once I did it, my dad said, okay, job well done. You learned something from it. Put it in the drawer. Let's go further. I said, no, no, no. We really want to need to propose mm-hmm. it to them. And he said, no, I mean, you know, it's IT what we do. Um, so it was actually quite difficult for me to convince him to take me to a meeting where I could possibly, you know, take my little two pages offer and give it to them. And so he took me to the meeting and he said, don't you mention it. <laughs> I don't want to hear your voice. You're still learning and you know you have no rights to talk in the meetings. Uh, but I did. <laughs> and I took out my two pages proposal, which I did have help from, from, his, uh, uh, from one of his employees and, uh, and gave it to the their CEO and, uh, and he was quite sexually stunned and he took this and uh, and we stopped it there my father was quite upset about it later mm-hmm. and uh, but the next day his secretary the CEO's secretary called up and she said um, Mr. so-and-so would like to have a bit more detail of this proposal can you please send it to us and so we were really happy and there were a lot of obstacles uh, you know obviously about financing about this and that and so on and one by one we kind of you know, overcame it and um, and a few months later I had uh, trains going from Italy with my chief boards going to South Serbia and I was super happy and, uh, and it was great it was really exciting um, at some point it generated more revenue than the IT business <laughs> but after yeah but after after one and a half years I found it was boring and I need to do something else. I can't be doing this all my life, you know, and that's where I thought, okay, maybe I'm ready to go and try for the MBA. So what were your motivations in pursuing an MBA? Why did you decide to go for Um, it? Well, so I I thought I didn't want to stay in my father's company uh, because I wanted to do something on my own, A. Um, Secondly, I thought if I was going to do anything in Serbia, nobody would look at me seriously without business education. Mm. They just don't, I I think, you know, in the Western world where they see career changers or somebody has done, you know, someone is an entrepreneur without education, really business education, they can kind of, you know, consider it, but not in Serbia, right? And I did not want to state Serbia again um, so I thought the way to kind of you know that get that um, uh, credibility and get also exposure to kind of you know the western world and more opportunities is to do an MBA so it was a way out it was I... again a way out yeah and expanding opportunities right and uh, and learning something right learning the you know I would say the the, the, the theoretical knowledge so you you start your MBA, and what do you see around you? Um, so what do I see around me? Uh, uh, I, I think it was really wonderful how diverse the student body was, how many different experiences I could, you know, hear, and how much I could learn from from them. Um, um, 
uh, it was quite tough. I have to say, I remember in my first finance class, they were speaking about stock exchange. Which I was like, stock exchange? I was like, Google, stocks exchange. I literally <laughs> didn't know what stock what the stock exchange is. Wow. And um, uh, But then soon, uh, but then, yeah, I mean, caught up somehow. <laughs> so I was kind of uh, really stressed out if I'm going to, you know, pass my exams and learn the accounting and finance and all the you know uh, hockey sticks mm. <laughs> and all this stuff just really seemed so far from what I've been you know very different from Bach and Beethoven um, but uh, but yeah I quickly caught I mean I don't, I'm not really sure whether I caught up but uh, uh, but I, I finished it <laughs> yeah absolutely and uh, and then and then uh, my dream actually before going into INSEAD was good to go into consulting because it always also seemed like a lot of learning and a lot of exposure to different things um, so then I was really focused on getting a job in wait I'm not going to let you off the hook sure. that quick alright not yet your post bits yet so you go in, you yeah. maybe you don't know a lot of the jargon, a lot of the terms, maybe you don't know a lot of the material. Did you feel like you had to work harder than people around you to kind of catch up? Well, I think so. I think so. I mean, yeah, I, I, but I mean, look, there have been other people who also didn't have a business background, so I'm mm. sure that it was also a lot of, so there was a group of people that I know kind of, you know, who to, had to kind of really, um, you know, much, you know, put in much more time and much more effort and belief, um, uh, you know, to go through the program and to get a job afterwards. Um, so and now uh, so my now husband at the time we, we actually met at INSEAD he's also wow. Serbian and uh, he was he studied business in the undergrad and uh, and I um, obviously haven't and so he um, I, w I remember I would meet him uh, you know completely stressed out he's just like huh? and he's so relaxed you know he was always <laughs> so after business degree he went to work for Deloitte Financial Services so for him INSEAD was really like a time off right and I would meet uh, you know I would bump into him and he's like hey Maria what's going on I'm like, oh, well, I'm going home to study for the accounting class. And he'd be like, but it's so easy. And I'm like, yeah, it's easy for you. Okay, I'm gone. And where are you going, Marco, by the way? He's just like, oh, I'm going to go and play some football and then we'll go for a pint. And I'm like, all right, enjoy it. <laughs> so, so I think, but it's, it's, I think it's two extremes, right? I mean, Marco had so much experience and so much knowledge before in Seattle and he came there for different reasons and um, and there were a few people who had a, you know experience like me but we all both went through so it's possible it's not like you know absolutely um, yeah I mean you know it yourself right? yeah and, and me personally I, I learned a whole bunch from my study group yeah I think we were uh, we still are we're a very close team and I was fortunate because I had all my study group were just a bunch of smart people from different backgrounds. And we kind of taught each other yeah. as we went, helped each other and just had fun. We still talk every month um, yeah. on a conference call. But that's a separate yeah. business. So we come to recruiting and you, yeah. so you did your MBA, you grinded your teeth during 
Yeah. And to those who are listening who don't know, INSEAD is a short MBA, so it's basically 11 months to one year, depending on the cohort. So from the bare start, you need to start thinking about your job and interviews and so on. So what was the process for you, Maria? Um, so just to mention one little anecdote uh, sure. from before INSEAD. So when I was applying for INSEAD, uh, I applied just to a few other business schools and I was admitted to another one, also very good. And I got quite a, a big scholarship for this other one. And I couldn't make a decision. And I remember I asked... Um, a friend of mine, like, oh, how do I decide? Where do I go? And she said, okay, it's very easy. What is it that you want to do after INSEAD? I said, I want to go to McKinsey. <laughs> like, mm. easy. <laughs> and she said, um, she said, okay, so where does McKinsey recruit more? Um, you know, and I was like, um, I looked at the stats and I was like, at INSEAD. It's like their, you know, school of choice. I said, okay, there's your answer. Wow. So I went to INSEAD and, uh, you know, I started January 2008, everything seemed normal. And then August 2008, a month before the recruiting, <laughs> things on a, you know, global level were changing. And, you know, you could just see on TV all these people from banks going with their little, you know, boxes and just leaving their workplaces. And we knew it will obviously reflect to our, you know, um, our recruitment process sorry um um so so i thought like oh my god i came here you know give so much money put so much effort into this um uh, and and now that's not gonna you know come true uh but then i you know with an unusual background i got only two invitations for interviews and i think this is quite unusual i think a lot of people were get many more, right? I mean, you'll go and do all these interviews and I could see people just running around the campus and I was just like, okay, I have two interviews. Uh. I mean, two companies who invited me. And and so McKissie was one of them. And there was a round of, uh, well, two rounds of seven interviews in total. And, um, and afterwards they called me up. And again, with my now husband, I was at Carrefour, completely desperate because I thought I did a very bad job. <laughs> and they called me up and they gave me an offer. They said, we'd like you to join our London office. I collapsed on the floor and I told them that this cannot be true. <laughs> uh, and Mark actually took a photo. We have this famous photo where I'm on the floor in Carrefour, like, no, this cannot be true. Send and it so over. Was, Maria, please send it over. This is going to be the, the, the <laughs> podcast like cover page. I will. <laughs> I will. And Marco named that picture. This is where it all began. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I'll send you that picture. Um, uh, so, um, so, so that was basically my path to... Uh, to, to my job, I really could not believe it in those, you know, very difficult times. I, w I really felt like, you know, God looked at him and said, like, you know, you wanted it so badly. There you go. <laughs> so wow. uh, I was really very happy. It's phenomenal. I love it. That's a great one. So you get into McKinsey. Yeah. What's what's on your plate? What's happening? Well, a lot of work, a lot of work. It was, uh, um, 
McKinsey is such a specific environment uh, because I, I think what's really wonderful is that uh, they really, you know, uh, can build people and they put an effort into building people, which was great. Um, I think also what is what was wonderful is that they appreciate different points of views. And I think that's why they recruit people with unusual background, right? I mean, there were a lot of, you know... Uh, all life consultants around me, but there were also doctors, there were also soldiers, ex-soldiers, and so on. And so I think I, I was very happy because I felt appreciated in that way that, you know, even though my my opinions may not um, uh, be 100% relevant, they were appreciated and, you know, they, they were they seek an opinion and involvement. Uh, I think probably because of the, you know, you know, after the financial crisis, um, it seemed to me that, you know, projects may have been slightly uh, understaffed. And so I just felt really overworked. And I really feel that after two years, my body just couldn't take it, like the lack of sleep and everything. And I was learning so much, so many different, you know, experiences, amazing people, really um, I think people in McKinsey have a reputation for being um, uh, you know, uh, be over self-confident or and so on. Mm. But there, there are so many lovely people, and that was really that was a great experience. But after two years, I just, I just, my body just couldn't take it. I kind of ended up in the hospital two times, like really from from overloads, and then I realized I, I, you know, I have to think um, again through my plans. And then something actually leads me to one point that I really wanted to mention. I don't, I'm not really sure whether now is a good time or maybe later. Um, but I think my whole life I was always, um, uh, you know, had this idea. I always had this five-year plan, right? My stra five-year strategy and the plan, how I'm right. going to get where I want to. And you have this vision of something where you want to get to and you're working so hard to get there. Uh, but And, 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 I think a lot of people appreciate persistence and work and self-discipline to get there. Uh, but I think what I've learned, you know, from uh, a few experiences, I think also from my uh, experience in Berlin, but also from McKinsey, is that at some point you have to stop and be wise and think, is, was this actually the right thing for me? Mm. And, uh, and to kind of question... Um, uh, and and think, uh, you know, uh, not to be stubborn, to just push through, but also to revise your plans. And I think, you know, is this really what I thought it was going to be? Is this really making me happy? Is this w how I want my life to look like? Um, I think there it, it is super important. So I think that's what I, you know, when I was in McKinsey at some point, I stepped back and I thought, uh, okay, is this really good for me now? And um, and I thought that uh, it, it just doesn't work. It can't work anymore. So I I dropped out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it's interesting. Um, I, last week I read a book. I finished a book named Shoe Dog by Philip Knight. The founder of Nike, the the sports company, and he tells his story, which is a phenomenal story. Whoever is listening, I recommend reading the book. It's a great book on you know 
on the search and the adventure and the entrepreneurship and business making and people. Uh-huh. And at the end, he gives some tips. Uh-huh. And one tip uh, stayed with me, and it also relates to what you just said. And Phil Knight says, if someone tells you never to give up, never ever to give up, he's either a fool or a liar. Because sometimes in life, you have to give up. Giving up doesn't mean that you stop progressing or that you, you know, you, you, you bail out of everything. But it means that you have to make some decisions to stop certain things in your life, even if you are committed to them. Mm-hmm. I think it's a brave decision because... Uh, exactly. I think it takes a lot of courage, actually, to give up uh, and to kind of, you know, come to that point where you can say, well, you know, this may not be actually a good idea. And for a long time, I believed it was, and I got something out of it, but I should revise my plans. And I totally agree with what you just said. It takes a lot of courage and I think a lot of wisdom to you know to get there i mean sometimes you're forced i think after mckinsey i wasn't very Hmm. wise i was just like i just can't i just can't (laughs) you know (laughs) my body cannot and my mom is a doctor she came to visit me and she said like i forbid you (laughs) 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 um but uh but i think for other things in in life i think it, it is from time to time important to have that wisdom and say it's the right thing to do so you leave McKinsey and without a plan. Yeah. And run run us through what's happening next, which is yeah. what you're still doing today. Yeah. So so actually, I was quite confused at the time because it was the first time, you know, uh, since I was uh, what fourteen that I didn't have a plan. <laughs> right. So I was quite confused. And at first, I thought that I wanted to go back into the music world, but on the management side. Um, and I thought, oh, I want to merge my two worlds. And I, you know, I have knowledge in one and the other. I have, you know, extensive network in one and the other. And I, you know, know people and I know those two worlds. So I, I think I can do something, um, you know interesting, helpful, and enjoyable for me. Uh, but actually, that was a time it was quite difficult to get into music world in the in the UK, especially because art funds uh, were cutting funds to uh, to art institutions. And, and I don't think that actually um, people in that world were recognizing the uh, potential, um, you know, benefit that I could bring to the table. A lot of people from that, they're just kind of, you know, way over their way through kind of, you know, the, the institution itself. And, and so after a couple of months, I said, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I heard about independent consulting and I said, Kim, I'm just going to take an, a project to, um, uh, to fill in my budget, really. And, uh, right. and I did take on a, a, an independent consulting project. And I really loved it. And that's kind of, you know, a surprise that kind of, you know, came to me. Um, uh, I loved it in a sense that I had a lot of control of what I'm doing, you know, which you don't get so much in a consulting 
firm, especially at the level that I was at when I, you know, when I started and for those two years. So you pretty much manage everything. You work much closer to the client so you can really, you know, uh, you know, understand what is it that they need. Um, um, and, uh, and then uh, the work you do is much more pragmatic. It's much less kind of, you know, just PowerPoint slides where you never know whether that's going to be implemented or not. You kind of, you know, as you're working, you're thinking, how is that going to be implemented? And, and you're kind of in a lot of cases you really see it happening right so I kind of you know started doing more and more um, transformational projects so implementation projects uh, and I, that's what I really um, uh, enjoyed because it's very pragmatic it's really hands-on um, and so I just really kept on doing that and I'm still doing it because it gives me a lot of flexibility so I can have a you know balanced um, um, uh, lifestyle uh, I can uh, you know choose which projects I'm going to take which not uh, I work again with interesting people I have um, you know great clients um, and and again we're coming to the point um, that I fulfilled my desire that my utilization depends on how much how good I do my work and that's really for me if I'm good and I deliver the project well they'll call me again and I'll have work and I'll have money and I'll enjoy my work uh, which was not the case you know in music and so I think I've you know fulfilled a lot of things that I I dreamed of in a way you closed a full circle exactly yeah and also we did in this, in yeah. this episode so if we yeah. started from you know from not being able to control the outcome or not even that your actions don't lead to direct you know results or not everything yeah. depends on your hard work to the to the situation you're describing right now where you know this is me this is what I do I put in the work I put in the effort if I do good I get good if I don't yeah. do good I don't get called again yeah. It's a really, really, really nice closure. I like it a lot. It's a, yeah, it's it's a journey. I took. Uh, yeah, it took, it a, took a few years. Yeah, yeah, and I also wanted just to kind of you know um, maybe kind of you know my big learning, and I think we heard that this probably from a lot of entrepreneurs who started from scratch, and this and that is, you know, one can really achieve whatever they set their mind to. Uh, but I would just say there is a but, you know, think sometimes whether it's sensible and be wise to, you know, revise the plans and uh, stop from time to time, you know, to think about it. But persistence and, and you know, there is nothing that is unachievable. You know, I think that whatever I set my mind to with enough work, uh, um, uh, uh, and 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 persistence and discipline and luck a lot of luck and yeah. a lot of help and support from from the people around you uh, you know um it's possible uh but there is also a, a a courage in sometimes giving up so just to repeat in case someone missed because i yeah. think this is a, a fantastic and crucial learning so with the vision and with persistence, you can achieve anything. However, it's not always 
wisest to just pursue things. Sometimes you need to stop, take a look around, and yeah. maybe change your initial decision, assumption. Your plan. plan. Adjust your plan. It's not along the way. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you kind of as advice for the next cohorts, people looking at MBAs, people are in MBAs. What are the top things you feel you got from your MBA and what advice would you give those who are looking to do an MBA or are doing their MBA as we speak? So top things that I got from my MBA um, is, uh, well, I initially went there for learning mostly, but I don't think actually now that the learning is the most important thing. And that actually I think MBA will tell you. I think it is exposure to the variety of industries and possibilities, exposure to various interesting people from whom you can learn a lot. I think it is a network. Um, and that those are the most important things that I got from, from my MBA. Um, what was the other one? What would be my advice for those who are at the MBA now? Yes. Uh, I think it is to kind of, you know, have a clear vision going into the MBA, but also be open to kind of, you know, see what else can you get from it? You know, what else can you get from other people, uh, from from your teachers from the MBA network. So keep your eyes open and explore the possibilities and, and yeah, use the, the time to learn not only the actual theoretical learning, but you know, the life experience learning. Mm. Wow. Maria, anything before we conclude that is you want to say that is important for you, that is your message to the world? Well, I think, first of all, thank you, Mikey. I'm so, you know, um, to give me opportunity to, you know, tell my story. Um, it's a great story. I, thank you. Um, I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, there will be at least one person who may hear it and who would be encouraged by it. So uh, uh, that would be nice. And, and my message really is one can really achieve whatever they, they wanted. So, uh, yeah. So, Maria, thank you very, very much. This was Not at all. a fantastic, fantastic conversation, a teaching one for me, uh, definitely. And I'm sure that many more than, much more than one person would listen and learn from it. Um, with that, we'd like to conclude this episode of MBA Without BS with Maria Nesovich and say a big thank you to Maria and also to all of you out there. If you have a great story or if you would like our assistance or mentorship in getting into a top MBA, we're here for you. Ping us on our website, mbawobs.com. Follow, share, spread the word and let's do this.